Well, my friends, we have come to the end. The end of the church liturgical calendar, that is. This edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast comes to you from Sunday, November 26th, 2023. And that's the last Sunday before next Sunday when we start the season of Advent. And that's the first day of the new church year. When we turn over the lectionary set of readings from your in this case, from year uh, A to year B, which is going to be heavy on Mark as the gospel. This is when, um, you know, next Sunday, December 3rd, will be, as I said, the first Sunday of Advent, and that's when the church liturgical year begins. It's also Totenfest at our church. I may have mentioned it if you heard last week's message. Totenfest is this church's, <clears throat> this church's heritage. Uh, from the German Evangelical Lutheran and the Reformed Synod of America, uh, when they they have this tradition of All Souls Day on the last, instead of Reign of Christ, <clears throat> which a lot of churches celebrate instead of, pardon the cough, uh, that's when we remember our uh, our dead church members or who have passed into the church triumphant since last Totenfest. And so that'll be touched on briefly um, in the message. And uh, the message was, you know, what's it all about slash the answers at the end. I had one less day to work on this because of the Thanksgiving holiday. And it, this, this was a really, a, I really wrestled with putting this together. And I could have gone on and on in debating the role of faith in making it through judgment when the scriptures that we have don't talk about faith. They talk about deeds. And yes, you can say that faith is presumed, and it may be. I'm not going to say it isn't, but it's not presented as presumed. Um, Maybe more so in the book of Revelation reading than it is um, because the New Jerusalem, um, uh, that's, that's symbolic for the church, the community of God's people in Christ. Anyway, the, I could have done a whole other level of this sermon lifting up this and how there are other verses, at least in Matthew, that refer not to you know, those who believe, but those who do the right thing. John is more of a gospel that emphasizes the, uh, the faith very much. Uh, John, <clears throat> that's John's thing in the epistles as well, but so are deeds. And like I said, at the judgment scene at the end of chapter 20, it's all about their deeds that were written in the books. So I'm going to touch on that, but I'm not, like I said, the, that whole subject could be an, an either another three pages of a sermon or another sermon, which I'm not going to do. But uh, I hope you'll listen to the message. It uh, it finally came together, uh, taking a walk with my wife, walking around Roger's school and talking it out, letting her listen and give me some feedback, I think helped, helped helped me to find the way that I brought this together, at least in something, a phrase that I repeat. I think that came to me during or after our talk. So this is a very long intro, 
and um, you may be ready to hear the words. And so Olivia Altmeyer is our lector today, and she'll be reading selected verses of Psalm 25 from um, Revelation 20 and 21, and then, of course, Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. She will say that, and these are words that I prepared for her to say, that this is a the third parable in Matthew 25. I've since learned this week in my reading, after I wrote that for her, that this is not a parable. So, count me corrected, and count me bringing this intro to a close with a brief word of prayer. Holy and mysterious and loving God, we give you thanks for the gift of the technology to offer to, to offer this podcast and to listen to it. We ask your blessing on those who listen, that you would use this to bring them closer to you, to strengthen their discipleship, and to continue to live in this world with hope and love. This blessing we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who showed us what love is. Amen. In our reading from the Psalms, we'll hear the words, God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Immediately it tells us what that is. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. Here we have the chance to hear God lead us in what is right as we hear the scriptures out loud this morning. To help us get the most out of what we hear, let us ask the Spirit to open our ears wide and our minds as well, so that our understanding of the word and our ability to put steadfast love into practice are strengthened. Please join me then in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, here is your word, and here are we. Help us to focus well as we listen. Open our ears and minds to receive what you have for us. Bless this reading to our souls and our understanding to the way we live and how we treat others. In the name of Christ, we ask this. Amen. Our first reading is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 18, and then verses 21 and 22. It is a prayer for deliverance from enemies, for forgiveness and acclamations about God's character. Parts of this might be what someone nearing death might pray. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you to be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions, According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. 
All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. He will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of its troubles. This ends the reading from the Psalter. Our New Testament reading, not exactly an epistle nor a gospel, is from the book of Revelation to John, from verse 11 of chapter 20 through verse 7 of chapter 21. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Also, another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, as reported in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and all were judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This ends the reading from the Revelation. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the Gospel lesson? This morning, it is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Not only is this a good gospel reading for Totenfest in the Sunday after Thanksgiving, it happened to also be the gospel listed in the lectionary for today. This is the last of the three parables of Jesus in chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, 
and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the fountain foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here ends the reading from Matthew and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, God's holy word. When I was in seminary, I had a speech professor who specialized in the spoken word in worship. He once opined that he preferred doing funerals to weddings because at a funeral you have the opportunity to preach the gospel. I never forgot that. I almost never preach at weddings, as it turns out, but I do present the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ crucified and risen in my funeral messages. And this seems like an opportune, opportune time to lift this up since it is Totenfest. On Totenfest, we remember members of St. Peter's and closely affiliated former members who have died since last Totenfest or who haven't had the chance to be, have their candle lit until now. Helen Maurer, before she came to be the church secretary here for 19 years, was a graduate of Beloit College, a teacher, a wife to Fred Maurer and mom to Nancy, Lori, and Pat. Ricky Hervig was never a member, but we remember him as a cherished brother of Wendy Svensson and fun uncle to Eric and Peter. Bill Todd, Jr., grew up at St. Peter's, along with his brother Jim and sister Pat, sang in the choir for years and years, loved the outdoors and golf, and as a younger man taking risks, and he helped this church with its landscaping as when he was older since he worked at a nursery and brought stuff down to beautify our grounds. Now before going any further, about the sermon title. Yes, I did pick the first line of the sermon from the 1966 song that begins, What's It All About, Alfie? The second line is a title 
of a song by George Harrison. After picking the last two scriptures, it sounded appropriate for half a title. So Totenfest brings us to a contemplation of death and evaluating our lives now in light of that fact. It can prompt us to do a check-in of our faith, our love, and our deeds, as all three of these seem to play a role in what's it all about and the answers at the end. Although Totenfest provides the church with a chance to ponder death and, in conversation with Scripture, start coming to terms with it, if we haven't already, it also provides a chance to draw nearer to some of what Holy Writ says. What's it all about is meant to lead you and me to weigh our life. If we have given deep thought to what we believe our life is for, what our purposes are, especially in God's design, and we have sought to pursue them to the best of our ability, that, I think, should prepare us a bit more for our end. It's about what we put into our dash, as Carol Iannotti might put it, because she shared that with us. What is it all about? Well, let me tell you a story. Years ago, over 10 years ago, Gina Zelenka told me of when her dear Aunt Philly, short for Philomena, was dying. She and Gina's mom were sisters, and both were instrumental in raising Gina and her sisters. When Philly was quite near death, she was in anguish. She asked Gina face to face, what's it all for? What's it all about, Gina? Gina gathered her thoughts for a moment, and then she replied, it's about love and helping people through this life. What's it all for? What's it all about? Showing and sharing love and helping people through this life. Wouldn't you say that's a good, perhaps great answer? Let alone that the first song in the sermon title itself points to love. Burke Bacharach wrote, as sure as I believe there's a heaven above, Alfie, I know there's something much more, something even non-believers can believe in. I believe in love, Alfie. Without true love, we just exist. Now we know there's a lot of Bible backing up the idea that love is what is central. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Did he answer with one of the big ten? No. He asked the questioner, well, what do you, how do you read? And in one gospel, the person got it right. Love the Lord your God with all you've got and who you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you got it. And if you want to be perfect, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Love for God and the neighbor, it's not always emotional. Agape love is known first by its works done for the good of others, even if it's at a sacrifice. Yes, Jesus, like the core of the Torah, is about love for God and others. I'm fond of the Facebook meme that says that Jesus said people would know we are his disciples by, and then there's a checklist of things like it's a multiple choice, like having correct doctrine, 
going to church every week, and so on. And they all have a line through them. Nope, nope, nope. The last possible answer is by the love you have for one another. And it is not scratched off. That's from John 13. You will, people will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Mutual love is our calling card. Love through service. Like Jesus washing the disciples' feet and then going on to die for us. That love is our calling card. Love through service. Jesus even taught us to love those who use us and are our enemies. We're taught to pray for our enemies, to forgive, even as he forgave the Roman soldiers who nailed him to his cross. Love is what it's all about. And we reflect that, we demonstrate it, we live it out in all sorts of ways. We receive God's great love for us, and we reflect it, we demonstrate it, and live that out in all kinds of ways too. I've preached a lot of sermons lifting up some of those ways, like advocating for justice, for voting rights, for the creation's health, sharing your faith at the right times, service work, generosity, being merciful, treating people right, being patient in other ways. This is a verse we didn't hear today. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Paul told the Corinthians. Love never ends. Now, faith, hope, and love abide means they remain. But the greatest of these is love. When the church celebrates Christmas in a month, We'll be celebrating many things, but these many things are grounded in the self-giving love of God for the world. Love is even what it's all about for the God who reveals himself to us in Jesus Christ, given as we then mark his birth. Now you and I all have our various callings, our various gifts and abilities and different circumstances of life. And as we heard last week, of our spirit-given gifts, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Love works itself out often in community, as challenging as that can be. But we need each other. In church covenants, we belong to each other even when we disagree on some non-basic tenets. We're in a covenant of faith, but also of love. Together, within a church and churches together, can join other communities in doing deeds of love, which are very, very important in the eyes of Jesus. What's it all about? The answer is at the end. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations, the nations, will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And then the king will say, now when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he'll sit on the throne. Now the Son of Man is the king. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom that is 
prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The king responds to love shown to those whom others would just as soon ignore, zone out of existence, wash their hands of, or otherwise abandon. That's where he is. He responds to love shown to those whom others would just as soon forget that that's where he is. These, those who minister to them, those, there are those who inherit the kingdom. Frederick Bruner says that the phrase, the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, means that the kingdom of God is the goal of history. The kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world means it's been waiting. It's been waiting for those persons. Things have been set up. They've been waiting for the end. The kingdom is therefore that goal of history. Reach the goal, that's the end. Or is that all to the end? The answer is at the end. The revelation has its own judgment scene. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and also another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, as recorded in the books. The new Jerusalem comes down from God with the new heavens and a new earth. Then Revelation 21 finds a voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear away from their eyes. Death death will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things passed away and the one who was seated on the throne said see i'm making all things new also he said write this for these words are trustworthy and true and then he said to me it is done i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end The kingdom is the goal, the end, and the answer at the end is also God. I am the Alpha and the Omega. God, fully Emmanuel, God with us, intimately wiping the tears away from our eyes. At the end is also love. The love of God for us. The answer at the end here is joy and eternity in the presence of this warm, merciful, caring God and those whom Jesus has brought in. 
The answer at the end is love, but it is also joy, community, and celebration. So it occurs to me that insofar as agape love, grace, is what it's all about, and the answer at the end is also agape love, what it's all about is the answer at the end. Love, good loving deeds to the most vulnerable, following the great commandments and the example of Jesus in our 21st century applications. What it's all about is the answer at the end. Deeds of love and, in our case, prompted by faith, powered by the Spirit. But only deeds are mentioned in our passages. So I tried to emphasize it just a little bit in rereading them. Dr. Bruner, again, we reflect, as we reflect more on Matthew's answer at the end, I went to Revelation, I'm going to go back to Matthew. He wrote, this teaching has a large theological consequence. Here, Jesus opens up the gates of heaven to the simplest people in the world. I was hungry, I was sick, I was a stranger in prison. Food and drink are the bare minimum needs of human beings. Clothing and hospitality are the next step up of the hierarchy of needs. Finally, visiting hurting people, going to see them in their confinement when they are not in productive circulation or attractive or strategic. Indeed, when they are socially shamed or peripheral as a ministry awarded as commitment to Christ. Bruner sees in Matthew 25 and verse 31 and following that Jesus' teaching of love for the least is the norm of judgment. Those who had no love for the least did nothing for them, did nothing for Christ, even though so many claimed him as Lord, are not welcomed in. The passage is a warning for Christians, as well as an encouragement for all who meet Christ in serving the lowless, the forgotten, the troubled, and the inconvenient. Those who do not recognize Jesus, but in compassion minister to the hungry, say, and work to eliminate the causes of hunger, may not see him among those they assist, but perhaps Jesus the King recognizes their love in what they do. Either way, even with scenes of judgment, we are accountable for the stewardship of our love and our lives. Those who believe that it's all about love for neighbor, and we hope for God, may find the answer at the end is also love. God's love for us and for the world. The world in Christ in whom God lived and came in his son and died and was risen again to save. What it's all about is the answer at the end. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you found some meaningful things to think about in the message this morning. I said a lot about it in my intro, 
about the, the struggle preaching it, excuse me, the, the struggle preparing it, and um, some of the process. And um, so I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it. <laughs> um, I think I said that if I really wanted to expound on the subjects, I could have preached another sermon or two, because I'm aware of its some of its uh, places where I could have filled things in more that people in the pews may have been thinking of, or people at the other end of their uh, hearing listening device, radio, or uh, whatever you listen to your podcast through, might be a phone, or an MP3 player, I don't know. But, you know, we we cannot cover the waterfront in a single sermon, and maybe another time, because next Sunday I'm returning to the electionary instead of subjects uh, that I am choosing, or I should say scriptures that I'm choosing. And um, so I don't know when I'll have a chance to return to the topics, including death itself, that I really didn't talk about like I thought I would when I began the sermon. <clears throat> so, again, my, my thanks for your listening, and I hope that you'll tune us in again for the next edition, which will be for Sunday, December 3rd, the first Sunday of Advent. Thanks again. And may God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.